Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter and what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Kat Napsock for a little quick edition. Schedule's been running a little uh, little ragged on me lately. Apologize for those who enjoy listening and watching to the show on YouTube, especially with the live broadcast. Got to get back to those. Thomas Risling will return with a, a look uh, at the Dance of Dragons, all those things. But hey. That's life. You can't plan for everything. Unless you're a Game of Thrones creator, a writer, or producer. Then you have to have everything planned down to the minute detail. And if you don't, you get burned at the stake. I promise. Not going to be a downer of an episode. We are, though, going to look back. I'm sure not for the last time, but we're going to continue this kind of look back because it's the anniversary it's the anniversary time period. We're just kind of wrapping up the anniversary of the end of Game of Thrones. It seems like an absolute lifetime ago for a lot of different reasons. Last week, we talked about the legacy of the show, something we've talked about before, but I just had some thoughts as it relates to Seinfeld and other great shows that ended maybe on downer notes or less well-received notes and how their legacy does still t- stand the test of time. The bad is outweighed by the good, even by the fans, I think, that were most hurt by it. I am okay with the show challenging people, disappointing people, and even hurting people. I think more than anything, season eight hurt people. I'm not saying that with glee. I think I think you're so invested. It isn't a disappointment in... in, in execution and behind behind the scenes things and all those kind of things that kind of pulled uh, the show down and, and those are all understandable reasons if, if that's the, the reason you didn't like the season but I think I think there was some some pain I think people had to distance themselves from it not to get into a psychological look at it all and some people just didn't like it some that's just also how this works too and I'm fine with all of it I'm fine with all of it. So in that mind, we are uh, going in, like I said, a little bit of a shorter episode today just to kind of keep the flow going here. But I love talking Game of Thrones. It's on my mind often. You know, I have one of those bookshelves. I'm sure you do too, a shelf or a bookshelf or a display or someplace in your house where you just have the items up there. Every day I see them. 
And every day I have, a, I have a thought about Game of Thrones. And every day I think this is the week that I'm going to start my rewatch. And I'm not ready for it. I think I'm not ready for it. I think I, too, have to make sure I'm emotionally prepared to truly say this is all wrapped up. I haven't seen season eight since the season. Watched them four or five times each episode to break them down and do the discussion points and just kind of take them in again and again and again. Yeah, so I've seen them a lot, but I haven't seen them since. And I used to do that with some of the other previous seasons. Until I really began my rewatch, I wouldn't, you know, do it. I would, though, randomly just put on episodes. I do that a lot. Do you do that with Game of Thrones? It's different than, like, I don't know, Star Wars. You can just, oh, today I'm going to watch episode two. I'm going to watch Attack of the Clones. For whatever reason, this is the day I'm going to watch it. Just have it on the background. Game of Thrones might not be like that. But I think if you're a fan of a certain ilk, and if you're listening and you're still interested in a world of ice and fire Game of Thrones, even now, you're like me. You can just jump back in. I'm going to watch this episode today. I'm going to watch that. Which is also, by the way, why I think I've seen the pilot the most out of every episode. A lot of times I'll bring up HBO now, pull out the DVDs. What do I want to watch? I'll watch the pilot. I love going back to the beginning. Love going back to the beginning. Last week was the one-year anniversary of The Bells. And with a call about that. Fact is our friend Eric Monroe. Hey, Cannon Catchley Talk. So the year mark has passed since The Bells aired. Now, me, I personally really enjoyed The Bells. It was my second favorite episode of season eight behind A Night of the Seven Kingdoms. And I understand why it's very divisive. I know Danny is a very popular character. She's many people's favorite character on the show. And when your favorite character does something you don't like, sometimes you have a hard time accepting it. When Stannis sacrificed Shireen, I was devastated, but there was no way I could say there wasn't any foreshadowing leading to it, going all the way back to the season two finale. But with Danny, I think, you know, you pointed out last week what she said in Carf, but I think going back to even the season one finale, the breadcrumbs were there, which is why I think with Game of Thrones, rewatches are very important. But I feel some people just didn't want to accept it because she was their favorite character. So in retrospect, a year later, what do you think about what Danny did in The Bells? It was heartbreaking, Eric. It was heartbreaking. And you talk about the breadcrumbs. We we talked about it often. I, I I'm gonna I can keep talking about it. I talk about it in other shows, about other properties. The turn of Danny is there from the beginning. And it's a it's a it's an emotional rack focus. It is that you're looking at one thing, it's perfectly in focus, and suddenly the focus shifts and you look back and you're like, oh, everything, everything I saw was, was not the right. I was, wasn't looking at the right stuff. I wasn't looking out of the right stuff. Did, did they get to that spot the right way in season eight? Uh, if you believe a lot of people know. That's fair. I got writer friends about it. I got, yeah. Talented writer friends of mine. Nah, I didn't like it. Didn't earn it. I get what they're trying to say. I get what you're trying to say, Ken. Going back to season two, I will burn cities to the ground. I get it. I didn't, I didn't buy it. That's fair. <laughs> I'm done fighting it. I'm done fighting it. I go to the story. I go to the story. And a year later, Danny's turn in the bells was something you did see coming. It's something that I had been saying for a couple years. I remember having a conversation with someone in my old apartment complex 
we weren't friendly or anything. I was the manager at the time, and, and she saw, uh, saw inside my apartment. She saw some Game of Thrones stuff. She says, you're a fan. I said, yeah, absolutely a fan. This is before season eight. And I'm not a great prognosticator, by the way. I'm really bad at that stuff. I always say I don't want to predict. If I start predicting shows and movies, that's that's bad. One out of five predictions or one out of five things I occasionally say, I'm okay with it being right because I'm tuned into the emotions of these shows and these movies. But she said, uh, she said, who do you think is going to sit on the throne? And again, I, 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 we were all conditioned to think that. I said last week, we were all conditioned. We I used to do the betting odds on, on watching Thrones with Lon Harris, and it was just part of the fun. Who's going to win the Iron Throne? That's not, that, was, that was from HBO, too, by the way. That was from HBO. Uh, it's, it's not just our fault. That was the marketing campaign, because I think people started to wonder, it's Game of Thrones, so who's going to win the game? That's fair. It was never the point of the story, I don't think, in a big, global, faraway point of view uh, aspect you know I don't think that that's why George R. R. Martin set out to tell this story I told this neighbor of mine she says I think Danny I said oh well I think Danny's gonna die I think Danny's gonna go bad and die like a mouth drop now this is not someone who's read the books or someone who listens to podcasts or any of that kind of stuff which by the way I envy those fans sometimes she was no no way my, I never thought about that that way. Oh, my. You got, oh, man. And then what happened? Saw her out in the courtyard. You were right. Uh, sure. But I just was plugged into what was already there. Song of Ice and Fire. And everything along the way that, that John did, I felt it came from a different spot. Even some of the bad stuff. Came from a different spot. Different journey. And Danny did a lot of things along the way that you look back again, rack focus, shift. It is the look back on that relationship. Oh, remember those good times? Oh, wait, let me shift my perspective a little bit. Oh, that was some bad. That was a, I was in a bad relationship. That's what it was with Danny. But there was power in her story, power in her arc, because she deserved it. She's a good person. I really believe she's a good person. Anakin Skywalker was at one point a good person. The point was, from George Lucas, your choices, young children watching, can destroy you. They can do it. And people trying to get at you can help help you down this path. Danny went down that path. Danny went down that path. It was there. It was there. And a year removed from the bells, that is absolutely one of my favorite episodes. Not that I love everything in it. I the Euron Greyjoy Jamie Lannister fight. I do believe they tried to set it up. It's totally something not book related. The the the, the Greyjoys are a lot different. Split apart. Not not one character. I like Euron a lot on the show. Like some great moments, but he never grabbed me as as an over the top. I love when he returned. I love. I love the uh, killing Balon uh, and, and and solving that mystery at least in terms of the show. Obviously, we'll see if it's different in the books, but I'm there for all that. And yeah, I didn't like the ending. It was fine. The fight was fine. He killed Jamie Lannister in his own way, and, and and probably Jamie would have bled out and died eventually if not carried on by adrenaline and love. You know, 
So I don't like that as much. I really do enjoy Cersei's death. Uh, I enjoy what it means. It is a, a, a poem and an ode to what you want, destroying you, the kingdom she wanted, nothing she could do. She had it all. It didn't work. She didn't turn back. Her choices, her last chance to go towards uh, the side of humanity failed as well. She did not go that way. I'm fine with it. Jamie's look, uh, there's no doubt the bells is an episode that is, is, does prove that one or two more episodes would have been great. Would have been great. That's the debate that will rage on until it's just forgotten. And that's fine. I'm fine with that. But this episode, which by the way, was viewed by 12.48 million viewers on its initial live broadcast, which surpassed uh, The Dragon and the Wolf as the most watched episode of the series. And then later on, additional about 6 million watched on streaming platforms. It's 18.4 million viewers. That's insane. That's insanity. Definitely, uh, even by those who don't like the episode, view it as a, as a beautiful episode in a way. There's some amazing stuff. Some of the shots, Miguel Sapochnik's uh, direction uh, is... Uh, is wonderful and it excites me even more that he'll be uh, having a hand in um, House of the Dragon. Should be great. But looking back on the bells, I don't want to break it down beat by beat. I also haven't watched it in a while, and I'm, I want to save that for when we do. Now the click game bowl that we finally got. I just love it. It's insane. Go back to episode one again. Rewatch the pilot like I do often. It's such a small show, and sometimes, yeah, you can do more with less. That's great. But I think Sandor, I think Sandor fighting his brother, to me, it's it, it's just it's one of the best examples of how the show grow grow grew grows and grows grow how the show growed. <laughs> the show just grew and became so wonderfully big and epic in a fight between two giants. A fight to the death as it should be makes, uh, amongst that backdrop. Wonderful. But also before that, the, the, the moment with Arya and the Hound, his one moment of humanity, his one moment of I'm not going to let you go be what I've become because I know what it's about to do to me. It's going to destroy me. It's going to kill me as it should have years ago and as it should now. That was his final sign of of uh, love, care, and concern, compassion for Arya, and and it's one of to me one of the more beautiful moments, and it's in that it's in that episode. We'll we'll never this episode will always be there as a as a focal point of people's frustration, something they'll point to. I, I read some of the reviews, USA Today reviews, that the episode lacks substance. I, I reject that. I refute that on on every possible level. Um, and this this particular reviewer would say the episode was an absolute disaster, and said the Grey Worm, Daenerys, and Varys took actions that were wildly out of character. That's such I, the wildly out of character stuff is it is is true is true. It, not necessarily. I don't think in these regards that that's a thing that can happen. I I just think. I just think a lot of people disappointed. Grey Worm to me did not act wildly out of character. Not by a long shot. He was rejected from this land. No one wanted him here. 
you see that. How much more episodes do you need to see Grey Worm, Missandei going, we don't fit here. How many more on-the-nose conversations does Grey Worm have to have with someone before he rejects this world he was trying to assimilate into? I don't think it's out of character. I think it's out of passion. I think there's some justice behind it, right or wrong. Same with Daenerys. Varys. I was sad to see Varys go. Sad to see him go. And yeah, yeah, you know, we never got the answer. I've seen a lot of these a lot of these articles pop up recently, uh, YouTube videos, which I always say, not interested, not interested. Uh, six plot points the writers forgot about. Again, you know, if you're making those kind of YouTube videos, you've never probably written anything, number one. I'll just say that. But two, you know, you're, you're putting a show together via a checklist. And the critique is often from those people that the show had a checklist. Oh, Jamie and Cersei need to die. Check that off. Da, da, da. You don't know what you're doing. You don't. You don't. Varys and the voice and the flames and Kinvara's knowledge of that. Oh, man, I'd love that. Maybe we get that in the books. I'd love that. But why would we need need that on the show? What about that would make Varys change, do something different? I don't know. It just doesn't need to factor in as much as you want it. Varys always said, I served the realm. And I think in his final acts, he served the realm. And died for it. In a way, not unlike Ned. We always knock Ned for his stubbornness. We always knock Ned for being too good for his own survival. Varys did what he did for the realm. He did what he did because he knew that was probably right. And that Danny was going down the wrong path. He did it for the realm. I don't think that's out of character. He literally says that stuff in season one. But that's just me. I'm not here to debate it anymore. I'm just here to celebrate that as one of my favorite episodes in the series. An episode full of resolutions, which I always say disappoint people. If you're not ready to leave it. But this is also why I enjoy watching this series and reading this series as if it's a living piece of history. So that way, to me, as I said, I said before, but let me drive this point home. So when a character does something... Jamie ends up in bed with Brienne and we're happy and then he leaves her right away. Instead of being upset by what that does to me and means to me personally because I'm invested in those characters or before making a video about the writers and producers and directors messing up at that, what does that tell me in terms of the living history of these shows, uh, these episodes and these characters? And that's where I look at. That's, that's, that's my starting point for watching all these. So then, quite frankly, any disappointments I may have are washed away because I'm just there with the story as it rolls out in front of me. I love watching him that way. And I love talking about it that way. I'm not hurt by these characters. I'm disappointed in the characters. 
I'm not disappointed in Amelia Clark or Miguel Sapochnik or Benioff and Weiss. I'm not. I'm disappointed in Danny, but I'm also understanding. I really think the Bells asks you to try to understand Danny's fall from Danny's point of view. To me, it really does come down to that moment I love of her looking over at the Red Keep. Talked about it before. Let's not remix it. That's hers. It's her family's. It's her legacy. It's Targaryen to the core, which is what she is. She wants it. She deserves it. She's overcome so much abuse, being sold in the marriage, rape, going into each city and overthrowing it and have the people who she gave freedom to fall or turn against it or want to go back, not follow her, to be discounted by every leader, most of them male. It isn't until the end that she finds some good uh, female, uh, uh, you know, some, some ladies at her side who are leading with her that she starts, uh, you know, I love those moments when Danny finally gets to connect. That, that scene with Yara is still one of my best. One of my favorite scenes, man. Yara kind of like, hey, you and me, kid. That's all in Danny's head and heart in that moment. She's always dangled that I'll burn cities to the ground over everyone's head, including her own. She's always got that in the back of her head. She wants to stay in Marine to learn how to rule. And I love when it's her decisions are thrown back into her face. Decisions that I think she has to make. Decisions that we all understand. And, and, and then the the farmer shows up with his burnt daughter's bones and all comes crashing down for Danny. It's not that easy. It's not going to be that easy. I think that scares her. And then hang, her power hangs over her head. It's a constant temptation. Unlike, say, falling to the dark side where you kind of can't come back from it. Once you journey down the dark side the force forever will dominate your destiny, right? Paraphrasing a little bit there. Danny, Danny does have the option to maybe go in and come back a little bit more. She got the dragons. She got fire. She has blood. And it was always in the back of her head for me. And in that moment in Bells, one year removed, I go back to it often in my head. I don't think she's going mad. I don't think she's simply following the path of the Mad King, becoming the Mad Queen. I don't think she is a powerful woman gone crazy. I think she's a powerful woman who said, "Ah, enough, enough. I have the greatest weapon of all time, and I've never used it. And now I will, because I don't think I have any more options. And I don't necessarily belong here. And you don't necessarily want me here. So you know what? It all goes. And it's not right. It's not right. It should hurt. A year later, it still does. 
almost done here. I do want to talk about something fun. I've been going through my storage. I've been going through a couple different storage locations of things I've had for a long time, but some things that were recently uh, put into storage. Um, I found a, a box, and I've been like, ah, there it was. There it is, a little box. I have a ton of those mini Funko Pops. Game of Thrones ones, you buy the mystery boxes, you open them up, boom, boom, boom. And I had uh, the, a complete collection at one point. This is about 2011, 2012. They really started kicking off, man, right? They're, they really started being popular. And when I was at my old day job, public safety director, I used to have them on my desk. I used to have the Iron Throne, the actual Iron Throne. Uh, not the one. You could get one for the mini Funko Pops, but I had, I had one of the ones, a little heavy one. You could use it as a weapon, too, if you needed and that would sit on my desk um, after I became director of public safety. And I, I had all the little money, little mini Funko Pops around. And I, too, because, again, that's what the marketing was. I'd alternate the, which Funko Pop would sit on the throne, whatever mood I was in that week. Danny, John, Jamie, Brienne, Arya, Tyrion, a dragon. And I put them all down. And I moved from office to office. And when I got to um, Screen Junkies, I, I brought them all over and I put them out on my desk. And I was like, oh, finally, you know, this is not as weird here. This is encouraged to have these toys in your desk. My old job, there were a couple of times some bosses would come in and you know, well, why is this up, you know? I got in trouble once, my old job, for having a wall of G.I. Joe figures in package just up. Just not a lot, just like six or something in a corner. And uh, I got told to take it down. Take it down. I had some movie posters up. Take it down. VP out in Chicago, a regional security VP, sent a special letter to everyone in our division, our contracts. Our company had uh, security contracts with this one mall company, like 26 on the West Coast. It's all 26, which actually means, uh, you know, about 52 uh, command staff, director, assistant directors, got these notices that was like, uh, take down these immature, like I'm, they use that term, immature kind of thing. Uh, they take down these immature posters and figures and collections and tchotchkes and all this thing. Your desk should be business. You should put up a security protocol or, and they sent out posters the company, our company, sent out posters that we were, that we were to frame that had the company uh, um, guidelines and mantra on it. And like, hey, and they said your employees will appreciate this. Their moods will uh, be will change, and and they'll feel uh, pride in their company. I was so upset. I was so bitter. But I snuck them out when the Game of Thrones ones came, and those I never got asked to take down. So I found that box because I went to Scray Junkies, had them on my desk when I left that job and went to Collider. I didn't didn't have as much room, so I boxed them up, and I just had them in my desk. And then I ended they ended up in a storage box in my house here. So I found them, and I still don't quite have the room to display them right now. But this is one of the things I talk about the legacy of Game of Thrones. This is one of the things I love about Game of Thrones. And I'm a Star Wars fan. This is not lost to me because Star Wars collectibles, memorabilia, everything—it's huge, huge. Game of Thrones, which is Dragons, red priestesses, uh, wizards, wizardry, magic, dire wolves, warging into the wolves, knights, queens, peasants, castles, 
It's all of that. It's a high fantasy, mid fantasy, low fantasy, fantasy. It's all of it. It's all of it. Yet it absolutely tore down all those walls. Talk about the wall coming down. Those walls came down. And when I moved to L.A. in 1998 and I got my day job working in kind of a tough alpha environment, public safety, a lot of, a lot of tough guys, a lot of ex-military folks, men and women coming through, I was an outcast. It was me and one older guy on the graveyard shift that liked, you know, we all like movies. We all think movies are cool, but you guys like collect stuff and nerds and stuff, you know. Phantom Menace came out during that time, and I had a couple fans with me. They were more secret fans. I had a shift supervisor. He's a sheriff's detective now up at Lancaster Station. He let me bring in the Phantom Menace CD, and we put it into the mall music system, and we walked around the empty mall at night listening to the Phantom Menace soundtrack over and over and over. It was great. It was great. So it was there, but it was frowned upon. I had my friends come over to my house, my apartment at that time, around 99, 2000, and saw some Star Wars Star Wars uh, toys up, some Lego sets and everything. So take, they're like, take it down. you got to take it down. So I did. Took it down and boxed them up for Almost a decade. So I slowly started to pull some of the stuff out again. And look, moderation's fine. I don't want my room to look like a Toys R Us. All right. But these are things we connect to. And we love these things. Game of Thrones comes along. And even some of those same people love the show. Own pieces of the show. Own shirts. I Drink and I Know Things is one of my least favorite shirts in the world. It's super, uber popular right and it's not even one of the best quotes from Tyrion to me but when I see that shirt I love it because usually the person in that shirt is a casual fan in general you might be listening out there like hey I love that shirt and I'm a I'm an in-depth love the books everything no yeah no no don't get me wrong but you know what I mean it's like uh, Target will sell Star Wars shirts and everyone has the Millennium Falcon shirt, or everyone has uh, everyone has a generic Star Wars logo shirt from Target. Uh, I love it. I love it. It's mainstream. It's everywhere. It should be. Star Wars isn't niche. I remember a time in the 80s, late 80s, where it was niche. One of the things I just pulled from storage was one of those Star Wars Bendem figures. And when those came out in the like, 93, 94 range, it was like, oh, Kind of Star Wars toys? Those are they're still making them. These don't look as good, but yeah, wow. Game of Thrones broke down walls and became so popular that dragons, swords, knights, wizards, fantasy was water cooler conversation for people who would normally not be caught dead in those conversations. They didn't know it. They didn't see it. The show with its intrigue, its politics. Yep, quite frankly, especially early on, its sex and its dragons. It pulled people in. And when I looked in those box of figures, no surprise that I would collect them. No surprise at all. But the surprise, the pleasant surprise, was that I got to display that in a job where I was once told to take down a movie poster because it showed I was immature and unprofessional. 
uh, same people that told me to take that down would come by for visits and not say a thing about Game of Thrones other than, oh, hey, you watch? What do you think? Who's going to win the Iron Throne? So that, to me, cannot be overlooked. Part of the legacy of the TV show that broke so many hearts in its final year. Thanks for listening to this short edition of Casterly Talk. I appreciate it. We'll keep going. Yep, live on YouTube again soon. Just been a little busy for me and Thomas Rizzolina, Rachel Cushing, Lon Harris, Andres Cabrera. We'll pull it all together soon, I swear. But I love hearing that you guys love watching the show live. We'll do more of that. I'm really excited to dig in more into Fire and Blood, Dance of Dragons, as we really, really start looking ahead. We're always going to have fun looking back, so I appreciate it. You can follow me at Cadnapsock. Go to Cadnapsock.com for information on all the other things I do. That's it for now. We'll see you next time on Casterly Talk. <laughs>